Hello, my name is Chelsea, and I am the host of Who the Chell Cares. I decided to start this podcast, well, just take a listen. I have my dad, Don Porter, interview me, and he asks all the questions you might be wondering. So, let's get to it. Now we are recording. Well, welcome to Who the Chell Cares. Who the Chell Cares? (laughs) Do you care? I do care. That's why I'm I do here. Too. That's why I'm here sitting with you. Thank you. So um, tell us what this is first, and then we'll talk a little bit about you. It is my creative outlet. It is what fills my cup. It is a passion project I'm finally doing. I think I've wanted to do something like this for a few years. Um, I remember when I was working at the tech company a few years ago, I was like, one day I'll have a podcast and we can just talk about all the things we want to do. And then people actually started doing podcasts and I got the courage to do my own. And so, and following your footsteps as well. Everybody's got a podcast. When your dad has a podcast, everybody's got a podcast. So I wanted to do that. I feel like I've had a very interesting background since, not even just since I graduated high school, but especially since graduating high school, I've met so many interesting people and been to so many interesting places that I want to share that with people somehow. And social media just doesn't seem to do that for me enough. And so here we are in a long format. I mean, if you're like me, you like the conversations, right? Yeah. 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 The conversations, the fun stuff. So, um, a little bit about yourself. I mean, uh, tell everybody where you were, where you come from. I come from a small town in Utah. It's called West Point. You'd know better than me about the population when we lived there, or when just, I lived there. Yeah, just a few thousand people. Yeah. I was reminiscing last week, and I remembered there was a really small, um, post office it was in a house that's how small of a town we were in and I remember they'd give us suckers every time we'd go in and it wasn't actually a post office it was the city offices oh before they actually built a a proper city office they had the city offices in this small little house and that's where they would have the city council meetings and the planning commission meetings and and everything else you'd walk in there and they would be sitting in the living room around a table <laughs> conducting <laughs> the meetings. So, yeah. Very small Pretty town. rustic, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's where you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your childhood like? Um, I look back on it very fondly. There, I was always, like, either riding bikes or scooters or just running around outside. I remember strapping my friends. I had a bike, but if they didn't bring their bike bike when we were hanging out or something, I'd put them in the wheelbarrow, not wheelbarrow, uh, wagon, and tie a jump rope from the wagon holder to the back of my seat, and we'd go to either the golf course and get treats, or we'd go over to the school and play on the playground. Like, I very much enjoyed my childhood. I also grew up running around a golf course in Syracuse with my friends um, because it was such a small town that my elementary included the next city over. 
kids that lived in the next city over. So yeah, yeah. it was so, good. So um, you've got two sisters. I do. I'm the baby. You are. Um, your oldest sister is 10 years Nine and a half. Okay. And your next the middle, the middle, my middle daughter is four, four. years older than your. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was that growing up with two older sisters? As one can imagine. <laughs> there was lots of fighting and stealing of clothes and trying to kill each other. There was a time when I tried to suffocate my sister for eating my Halloween candy. <laughs> so it was a normal childhood to me. Well, yeah, I think everybody's got those kind of stories. So, um, I mean, you've painted a pretty positive picture of your youth. What were some of the, what were some of the harder things or uh, confronted? Well, I grew up with six fingers, right? Which is typically how I f- talked about it. It was never I have a disability. It was never I am disabled. It was, I think that just wasn't really small town language. Correct well, me if I'm wrong. No, and it, and it wasn't common either. Mm-hmm. You had some. You had a limb difference that was a difference. Well, also we didn't have social media, no. so we only saw people who were in our communities and where we went to travel, you or like on the news. It wasn't until social media came around that I knew there were other people like me. Um, there were obviously other kids with like different ailments, I guess. You could like physical ailments that you could tell from time to time, but it was nothing like, oh, we get each other. We are part of a community. So it felt very isolating a lot of the time. Um, Growing up with religion was really comforting in that sense because my religion taught me that Jesus Christ knew exactly how I felt and I didn't know anyone else who knew how I felt. And so that was comforting. And I got bullied and teased, but then to cope, I think I bullied and teased as well. It's kind of a human response, I think. Um, I remember once, were you in the first or second grade when you'd been having some trouble with some kids in the mm-hmm. class, in, in the classroom setting, yeah. anyway? And uh, um, your mother and I went into the school, and I remember your mother took you up and did sort of a, for lack of a better description, sort of a show and tell. Yeah. And explain to the kids. Do you remember that? I do very vividly too. Um, what I also remember is that there were micro moments before that happened. So I went to Sunday school before preschool, and then I went to kindergarten, and then I went to first grade. Or no, yeah. And that happened in first grade. So I had had, I think, a couple micro incidents where I had to navigate that situation before. But it wasn't until there was that particular student that had more of a problem with it that we felt we needed to take that next step, I think. And 
I mean, my memory of it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, my memory of it was that it, it actually did help. Yeah. It diffused a lot of the attention. And then we became friends. Me and that student became friends. Oh, well, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, as a parent, that's exactly what you want to happen is that sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, so talk about, you know, maybe the rest of your schooling. Um, well, I I didn't really let it hold me back at all. I never remember being like, oh, I can't do that activity. I remember doing a lot of coloring, a lot of cutting out. I remember when I first learned this is how I'm going to cut paper because oftentimes you hold it with one hand in your pincher and then you cut around. That's your stabilizer. My pincher, I don't have one. I just have the single digit. So I have to use either my body or a table as my pincher. And so I learned you might cut your pants, you might cut your skin. So it was easier for me to like put the paper off the table a little bit and kind of just navigate it that way. So I would push against the table and some things got damaged, but. I can remember when you were even younger than that maybe. Um, I remember when uh, we at first got you shoes that were, uh, you could. Laces. Lace up with Velcro. but I remember thinking, how are we going to teach her to tie her shoes? Because, you know, and so I remember um, one day uh, taking my my hand and wrapping it with an ace bandage and really? just leaving the one finger out. Um, and then trying to do various things, you know, to try to figure out how to help you navigate that. And um, just remember being really frustrated, obviously, because I'd known the tail yeah. finger. And, uh, anyway, it would just be so much easier if, you <laughs> yeah. know. And so, anyway, I remember we, we had talked about, oh, well, how are we going to teach her to tie her shoes and everything? And then one day you just tied your shoes. I actually remember it going down. Do you? We were on the green couch. The and mom was, couch. mom was practicing with me. The green sectional in the 90s. And... I didn't even have the shoe on. It was just like sitting on my lap and I was practicing tying. Mm -hmm. And as I do with my lovely mother, I got really frustrated and pushed her away. I said, go away. I got this. And I feel like I, this is how I remember it. And I just did it because I think she was trying to teach me the two bunny ears. That doesn't ever work for me. It's the one bunny ear the wrap around the loop and then through the loop. And um, it wasn't tight, but I did it. And then I remember being like, I just figured this out. And that was crazy to me. Because obviously, like, you guys can figure out ways and you're adults and so you know how to to problem solve like that, like a child doesn't. But I think I just had an instinct to be like, this is what we do. This is what I do. Uh, I just remember we were stunned. And I think that taught us something. I think that that taught us that, well, there were some things that we obviously could help you with. There are other things that you were just going to learn by yourself. And that was great. It was really reassuring, actually, Good. for us as parents to do that. So, Because you guys didn't have resources. Not really. We, we, I think we had one, one friend who was born with a limb difference, a uh, uh, 
sister of a good friend who was born with a limb difference, and she was able to give us some some good advice, and her mother actually gave us some good advice. Things like um, uh, she advised us not to um, buy you any pants with pockets. So I couldn't hide it. So you could hide it. She said, you know, and and if you couldn't hide it, then that would force you to, to deal with it and maybe make you a little, I don't know, tougher or something like that. And so I think we did a little bit of that. Well, and you guys had communicated that to me when I was a little bit older. I think as a teen, I started to ask more questions. And I took that mentality with me when I moved to Los Angeles at 18. And I was like, really just kind of having an identity crisis around it because I'm at a fashion school with all of these really beautiful girls. And I was trying to figure out where I fell in that. And I was self-conscious, but I was also doing just as much work as all of them. And I was in a very hands-on degree. And I would practice because I walked to school for the first year and I would practice just holding it up on my bag. So I had a huge bag that I'd take to me to school with me to school and the handles were short. So the bag ended up being just right under my arm. And, you know, there's a few ways you can adjust yourself comfortably while you're walking like a mile to school. And I decided I'm going to do kind of a social experiment with myself. And some days I'd just let it hang down the the bag. And other days I'd bring it more up to an eye level because I would have done that on the other side of my body as well. I tried to treat them equally. And it was really hard to keep it up sometimes, especially when people were walking by, because you really do look at the people next to you. Downtown Los Angeles, people are pretty aware of their surroundings and who they're walking around. And so it was like exposure therapy I was putting myself through and just like, all right, well, people are looking at your hand. They're looking at it. They're looking at it. And I just kind of desensitized myself to it. And I remember walking through Ralph's, getting groceries one day, and the cashier asked me, what happened to your hand? And I just went, none of your business. <laughs> and then that was your response. checked out. Because I had decided after really working on it internally, I owe it to the people I decide I owe it to. I don't think someone checking me out at the store deserves to know that story. Maybe if I would have been in a different mood, like today I could see myself being like, oh, I was just born with it. And that being like an educational moment at that time in my life, I wasn't ready for educational moments. I was just like, I don't have the energy for this. I'm working like 18 hours a day. And how did your fellow students um, react? (laughs) I hope they're watching this. There was a t- there were lots of stories about my hand in college, I think because it was such a hands-on environment. If you're just going into a university and you're sitting in a class of like 400 people and no one really knows your name, that's different. I was in a setting of like 20 to 30 students each time, very small classes, everyone knew each other, or at least of each other, and... It helped me grow with my limb difference 
a lot because there was one instance we're dealing with like design installation. Sorry, I should go more into depth. No, that's okay. Uh, we're dealing with like exacto knives. We're dealing with huge, like I built this set because that's where I learned how to do stuff like that. And one time we were in a class, I can't remember which one, and my friend was like, this for a second. And I think a few other kids noticed. And then they were like, oh, he hasn't seen her hand yet. <laughs> and because we were all super comfortable with each other, he was just like, where did you, where, what, what are you doing with your hand? <laughs> he thought I was just like holding it oh. at a, like an angle he couldn't tell, but it really wasn't changing. And so he was having that moment out loud, which happens, I think after 27 years of experiencing people experience me for the first time, it happens. Yeah. Um, it was a little jarring, but I knew his intentions were not to hurt my feelings. And I feel like the family I grew up in did a really good job at teaching me kind of like how to be more lighthearted about it. Um, going into seventh grade, uh, my sister Sarah helped me concoct this story of what happened to my hand so that I could kind of break the ice going into junior high. So I went to school with the same kids from kindergarten to sixth grade, and then you have a big adjustment, and you go into a new school with three, four different schools coming in, and so you're meeting a lot of new people. And I was 12, and I didn't really know how to tackle that. And so she was like, well, let's just make up a story. And so the story was my sister, Sarah, didn't want a little sister when I was born. And so she bit off my fingers and swallowed them. And then by that time, the kids are like, ooh. And then they're like looking at it. And I'm like, you can touch it if you want. Like it's, we're all here learning, you know. And then by that time, someone maybe has my hand in their hand. And I'm like, and then they had to put butt skin on my hand. So you're really technically touching my butt. And it was like little childish things like that that really, I think, improved my 7th through 12th experience. Because kids knew I was able to laugh about it, joke about it, and talk about it. So um, we've talked a lot about uh, your peers' reaction to it. What What are your memories of adults, like um, you know our friends, uh, people in the community? I don't know if you were, you know. I remember being nervous walking into stores, mm -hmm. and I remember you guys were also cautioned not to hold my hand throughout stores, at least the whole time, and. I know you guys were good about like whether I had a good day with it or a bad day. So, you know, be super strict with the rules, which was helpful for me because if I just wasn't feeling up to it, then I could just hold your guys' hand through the store or like wear a jacket or something and put my hands in the pockets. Um, because there were adults. I remember going to Lagoon um, and a woman, she screamed. She goes, ah! where did your hand go? 
And that really bothered me because I was just there to have a good time. I was a child and she was an adult and I thought she should know better. And I remember coming home and talking to you and you should have just been like, (gasps) I don't know. Where did it go? Because then she'd feel silly, you know, like everyone here, like, obviously it's not bleeding. We're okay. It's funny you say that. Lagoon's an amusement park for people who don't know. Yeah. But um, that family friend I referenced before, um, she had a similar thing happen. Somebody said something to her and she she didn't have any fingers on her her one hand. And um, she just had the palm of her hand. And uh, she was walking just there at the amusement park and somebody did something similar to that, you know. What happened to your fingers? She just turned to him and she says, I chewed him off. <laughs> just kept, I don't think she ever broke her face. I think that was the story she told. So, yeah. And I think that's something only life experience can yeah. get you comfortable with yeah. because... Man, I dare someone to say something like that to me now. Yeah. Well, hopefully people are, most people, not all people, we, we, we know that, but hopefully most people have grown up a little bit. Yeah. So uh, so talk a little bit about your, your post-college years. I mean, yeah. um, you know, and how we got to where we're at right now. Well, I was given an opportunity by you guys. You said, we will pay half of your college anywhere you want to go and and get into, um, as long as you're not married. And I said, deal. Made the same deal with your sisters, by the way. Yes, yeah. We all got the same, and I, because I knew that was coming because they had been given that. And um, by the time I went to college, I had two great brother-in-laws, brothers-in-law, Correct. Brothers-in-law. And I just knew I would flunk out of any state college math or science class. I just knew it. It wasn't a passion of mine. I just still don't care about learning that stuff. I like learning, but I don't need to do math like that. And I was watching the hills one day, and they were making a career out of clothes and jewelry and fashion, which is stuff that I just thought was in movies coming from a small town. So I looked into it and I went out there at 18 with a girl who went to a neighboring school. We lived together and both went to the same school. It was fun. I learned a lot and it was really cutthroat out there. And so when I graduated and moved back the professional world in Utah is very different, and I've struggled a bit with that, for sure. Because you did a couple of internships in Los Angeles. Right? Yeah, I was in a uh, wow. I was a personal assistant for two interior designers out there who had very pre- prestigious uh, clients. It was great. It was super, super exciting. I was getting paid to drive around Los Angeles all day and help put rooms together. I wasn't doing the designing, but I was doing the like setup and takedown. So that was a blast and you don't mess up. You can't mess up. There's no room for that. 
there. So when you do, you get talked to about it very quickly. It's fixed. It's not personal. You just fix it and move on. And when I got out here, (laughs) my experience with getting into a job after building that resume and thinking I was a big fish in a small pond was quite the reality check. But um, Chase and Adam at Taylor Cooperative gave me a really good opportunity. And I was the manager at that suit shop. I helped get it off the ground with them and helped launch the feminine line. And that was a huge accomplishment, but I was burning out really fast. And so when I got the opportunity to work at a tech company that was more nine to five and just sit at a desk and kind of do tech work stuff, I took it. I was like, let's go. So I went to an online boutique marketplace and I was uh, an account manager there. And very quickly, you had to put smiley faces next to all of your Slack messages. You had to really tiptoe around people. And it was in Utah County, which is predominantly a Mormon um, conservative, 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 yeah, very conservative demographic. And so showing up politically, just all attitudes. Mm -hmm. And so showing up with a big tattoo on my arm and not participating in a lot of the activities that those people are participating in really made me an outlier and it didn't end well. (laughs) So then I went to an interior design firm, worked there for a bit and then COVID hit. And then I went and worked retail management at Athleta. That didn't work out because I burnt out there. And then I went to a medical cannabis clinic. That didn't work out. So I decided I'm done relying on other businesses to employ me. And I was going through a lot of my own personal things as well. There were a lot of things happening behind the scenes. And I just didn't feel supported in my work life as well. So it got to a point last year where we needed to take a step back figure out what was important because it was kind of life or death last year. And here we are. Well, (laughs) as your father and as an interested party anyway, obviously, I mean, I wish you all the luck in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to watch these episodes as you, uh, talk to people. You've already got a couple in the can and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those and, your consultancy business. I'm looking forward to see how that goes too. Maybe talk just a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I started modeling a little bit when I was at the suit shop, Taylor Cooperative. And I was nervous as I'll get out. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it, but Chase and Adam were really supportive and they didn't see any issue with having a limb different model in their suits. They really didn't. They, if you are in need of a suit, Taylor Cooperative is the most inclusive place you can go to in Utah. And we've had people come from Reno, Nevada to come, you know, so they really make an effort to be inclusive. They have 
non-binary options. Like you don't have to have a masculine or a feminine cut. It is your suit. And I think that really opened my eyes to, I don't have to be behind the scenes. I can be part of this. And then it was 2019, 2020, where larger brands really started pushing um, having models with disabilities in their campaigns. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And we need more of this. But then I started to realize things weren't being done as well as they could be. And so I've dipped a little bit into modeling and I love it because I'm happy to be that representation that I didn't have growing up. But I started the consultancy because there needs to be education around that. You can't just be like, oh, well, we hired a limb different model or a model who's a wheelchair user and now we're inclusive. That's not the way this works. It's not a fad. It needs education and it actually is good for business. It's good for the bottom dollar as well. So I'm going in now and I'm helping these marketing teams and creative teams really educate them on how to include people with disabilities and market to the disability market in a non-philanthropic way because we want to be looked at as people too. We don't want to be looked at as inspiring. We don't want to be looked at as other. A quarter of the population is disabled or at least identifies with having a disability, Mm -hmm. a quarter of your models should be represented that way. Well, I agree. I agree. So that's what we're doing with the consultancy. It's called Likeness. Follow me on Instagram, Likeness (laughs) Consulting. Good for you. Good for you. And then I'm going to be doing some public speaking as well. I'd like to really amp that up starting in schools this fall and helping kids with bullying, showing them that there are people with differences, you know, all of the things. I think it's all important. Well, good luck. I can't think of a better person to do it. Thank you. Well, I love you you too. I want to thank everyone for their patience, their support, their encouragement, and words of affirmation, essentially. I couldn't have executed this, finally done it, if it wasn't for the support of you guys who are already out there supporting me. So thank you so much. Please like, share, comment, or don't, and that's fine. But if you do like it, please leave a review and um, connect with me on social because I'm here to have conversations and I'm excited to have them with you. This is Who the Chill Cares. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I hope you give a fuck too.